Lenny McAllister knows the power and benefits of a good education. And now as the new CEO of the Pennsylvania Coalition of Public Charter Schools, he's fighting for educational opportunity for many, many kids all across Pennsylvania. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome to Bruise and Views. I'm Matt Briette, President and CEO of Commonwealth Partners Chamber of Entrepreneurs. And uh, on the line with me is Lenny McAllister. Lenny is the CEO of the Pennsylvania Coalition of Public Charter Schools. Lenny, thanks for coming on Bruise and Views. Matt, thanks for having me. Well, uh, for full disclosure, uh, I've known Lenny for quite some time. In fact, even worked with him when uh, I was at the Commonwealth Foundation and he uh, worked at the Commonwealth Foundation for a time and got to congratulate you, Lenny, on, on your new role uh, with the uh, Charter Schools Coalition. And uh, I couldn't think of a better person to be advocating on behalf of uh, the tens of thousands of kids in these, these schools, because I know you have a passion uh, for education and for uh, the kids that, that are served by the schools you now represent. So I uh, want to congratulate you and thank you for coming on. It, this is a great opportunity to, for me to uh, share with others uh, what I've known about you for a long time, but then also to tackle uh, this important question of uh, the role that charter schools play in the education of children. So that's a long introduction, uh, Lenny, but uh, uh, why don't we start with uh, you know how you ended up in this position? What's the route uh, you, you, you grew up in Pennsylvania, went to school outside, but uh, uh, tell us uh, a little bit about yourself first. Well, first of all, it's a, it's a delight to be on with you, Matt, and it's been a delight to work with my, co my former colleagues at the Commonwealth Foundation and to really advocate for kids. And that's kind of how I got here. We've, had, we've shared a passion together, one that I've done both here in Pennsylvania and around the country before I came on board with Commonwealth Foundation. And so it was um, a delight to work with them. I'm born and raised in Pittsburgh, grew up here, ended up, like you said, I went to college outside of, uh, of Pennsylvania. I went to a little place called Davidson College, known as the home of Steph Curry, and had an opportunity to play baseball down there. I uh, took a 13-year journey for a four-year degree, where <laughs> I ended up graduating from Davidson College at age 30 with two young kids. And, you know, although I had a very pretty streamlined education path until that point of time where I dropped out of school and was a deli clerk at Giant Eagle and worked at Manpower as a temporary employee and worked my way up and then back to school. You know, going through that experience in the 90s gave me a higher value and appreciation for education, what mm. some people go through, some of the obstacles that they have that gets in their way um, in order to, to fulfill themselves educationally and then be able to choose the career path and the self-determination that we talk about here in America. You know, so when I had a chance to graduate from Davidson, stayed down in North Carolina, eventually went to the south side of Chicago, where free market principles from a political standpoint, you can imagine, often aren't exactly the most popular things <laughs> that are extolled on the south side of Chicago. But I had an opportunity to uh, have a radio show, to do CNN, to write for the historic Chicago Defender, which is an historic African-American newspaper, worked at Chicago State, which is a predominantly black university, and then eventually came back home to Pennsylvania 
and um, did some media work, did some public policy, eventually had an opportunity to come on board with Commonwealth Foundation and push for policies that made sense for Pennsylvanians that needed the most, including criminal justice reform and anti-poverty initiatives, as well as education equity and school choice, which is what led me to um, coming on board with the coalition because it's just a continuation of, of the understanding that we've had in America since our founding, which is if you can secure a good quality education, the American dream is accessible regardless of where you come from, whether you're a former slave such as Frederick Douglass or you're a self-taught man like Abraham Lincoln. You can be what America needs you to be and what you want to be in this country. Uh, well said, uh, Lenny. And, uh, you know, obviously we share these same passions and vision that uh, education really being the cornerstone of uh, people's uh, flourishing, right? Uh, it, it's, it's hard to, to flourish in America, um, you know, uh, when you don't have a good education and we see the lack of one, it's one of those strong common denominators amongst people trapped in our, our welfare system or in our correction system. And so when we uh, get it right on the education front, uh, we can solve a lot of those other uh, public uh, problems or, or social challenges that we have uh, in society. Um, Lenny, now that you're the, the CEO of the uh, Pennsylvania Coalition of Public Charter Schools, let, let's, you know, first of all, uh, define what a charter school is. Cause a lot of people, uh, they don't understand them. They think that they're private schools, uh, they think that uh, um, they are something, you know, uh, they're, they're not really sure what they are. And then, you know, let's define them and then talk about who they're actually serving uh, here in Pennsylvania. So when you talk about a public charter school in Pennsylvania, these are schools that were created by way of the charter school law of 1997. And what these schools are, they're, they're publicly funded schools. So these are public schools. These are not private schools. But these public charter schools have been given a special task. They've been tasked to take on the, the academic and other societal and cultural gaps that we see through the education system and to deal with the disadvantaged, to provide opportunities to close those achievement gaps that have been stubborn throughout the Commonwealth for decades now. Now, in order to take on that task, the charter law provides a certain level of innovation for these education providers. Maybe it's a longer school day. Maybe it's a different type of curriculum. Maybe it's infusing more of a cultural awareness or self-esteem, particularly when you're dealing with African-American and Latino-American students. All of these different things, the different aspects of innovation that go into academics today are supposed to be tools to allow these innovators to be able to bring the kids into the fold so that they're reading, writing, and doing arithmetic at the grade levels of their peers. Something that if you look back at the communities that these charter schools disproportionately service are two, three, four generations behind academically and eventually economically as well. So- Well, Lenny, before you move off of that, because I think that that's an important point uh, that a lot of people think that charter schools are uh, just serving kind of the cream of the crop, right? That they're skimming the best students out of schools and uh, pulling them out and, um, you know, that they are hurting our traditional public schools. Uh, is, that, is that accurate? I mean, what, what, who are the students that are being served by these, these uh, public schools? First of all, in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, if you combine black and brown students together, 
you're looking at over 60% of all students in charter schools, well over 60% are one, black and brown students. So you're talking about minorities throughout the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Two, they're disproportionately underserviced when it comes to socioeconomic needs. These are people that oftentimes are hovering around the federal poverty lines and they're trapped in school districts where the schools have been underperforming for quite some time. The reason why you're able to have school choice, Matt, is because people are clamoring for different options other than the ones that they've been assigned to. And these, unfortunately, some of this has roots back for decades where people were redlined into certain neighborhoods and therefore redlined into certain underperforming schools. And this has been perpetuated for two, three, four generations. So these public charter schools are serving individuals that have been clamoring for school choice for quite some time. Now, the wonderful thing about these schools is the fact that they're oftentimes run by people that understand the communities from which these students are coming from. Therefore, it's not just the chase for a better academic reality. It's also the, the opportunity to build the student back up, to re-engage families into the school community, for kids to actually have a school home, not just a place where they go to crack open some books. And when you look at the success of charter schools, not just throughout the Keystone State, but across the country, you see academic performances coming up. And even when those academic performances are slow to come up, you see other aspects of the students' lives improving as well. They're staying out of the criminal justice system. They're not having children in their teens or early 20s. They're able to have a more functional life and they're able to chase careers, which gives them the opportunity to find self-fulfillment even if it's not going to college or maybe unlike people such as myself, maybe it's going to college as a second act. Again, mm -hmm. I'm a guy that was a scholarship kid at a really good school, but my second act wasn't until I was age 30. Charter schools give other kids that type of opportunity so that they can be contributors to the Pennsylvania society. But Lenny, one of the uh, critiques uh, that you hear from the traditional public school uh, uh, district model uh, is that, that charter schools are underperforming relative uh, to the traditional public schools. Um, how do you answer that charge? I mean, is that an accurate accusation that uh, charter schools are underperforming relative to the traditional public school system? If I compare an underperforming charter school to, let's say, Fox Chapel School District, Fox Chapel High School, North Allegheny High School here in the western part of the state, or one of the better performing high schools in Philadelphia or York or, or Harrisburg, quite naturally, the test scores are going to be incongruent. But you have to remember that these public charter schools are disproportionately serving kids whose other options are failing schools where kids in the fourth and fifth grade are reading on a first grade level, where kids are facing, do I go to school or do I drop out in the seventh, eighth, ninth grade? That's who the charter school audience is serving. That's the gap they have to close. Um, renowned educator, Dr. Steve Perry, and I quoted this in testimony to the Pennsylvania Senate Education Committee last October. He noted that at the current pace with traditional public education, it would take African-Americans over 200 years to close the education gap, and it would take Latino-Americans roughly 90 years to close that same gap. That's just an education. You can only imagine what that would be when it comes to economics and, and, and household wealth and jobs. In order to close that gap rapidly, you need 
academic innovation. And that's what the Pennsylvania charter school law provides. So if you compare the local neighborhood school to the local charter school, you will see that kids increase in regards to academic performance. And it's something that uh, Dr. Thomas Sal noted in his latest book, Charter School and Their Enemies, that in fact, when you take one-to-one, the local school and the local charter school, by and large, by two-thirds percentages, the local charter school outperforms the local public school. Yeah, and you know, uh, Lenny, one of the things that I always uh, note to people is that, uh, uh, look, there's a reason that uh, parents and children are choosing a charter school, and, and it is a choice. They actually have to choose to leave their local public school. And and in some cases, they have to hope they get in because I know that uh, in uh, places like Philadelphia, uh, you have waiting lists of tens of thousands of kids trying to get in uh, to charter schools. And the only reason that those kids are wanting to leave their assigned public school is that they feel that they're not being served uh, by that assigned public school. And so those that are, are choosing charter schools are doing so because they they uh, don't feel they've been served uh, by their assigned public school. And so to me, that that's that's uh, the important thing is that uh, uh, we should be empowering children and parents when they don't feel like they're getting a quality service and education being an important one, uh, that they have that opportunity to uh, choose an alternative. And uh, thankfully, there's a lot of charter schools out there, not enough, right? I mean, the, the, the uh, demand far exceeds the supply. Is that is that correct? We're still experiencing that? You, Matt, you, laid, you hit it right on the head. There are thousands upon thousands of students. There's over 40,000 kids in Philadelphia alone that are on waiting lists. You know, and when you look at the fact that well over 70,000 kids in Philadelphia alone are in charter schools, and then you extrapolate that across the state, you can see that there's absolutely a need for us to expand charter schools across the nation, which is why I'm, by the way, I'm very excited that the coalition was recently awarded a $30 million grant over the course of the next five years, starting in 2021, where we are tasked to create 18 new charter schools across Pennsylvania to address the waiting list and to replicate high quality models of charter schools so that more of these kids can get off the waiting list and get into the academic oasises that they're looking for. But if I may, I want to address something you said very quickly about school choice. School choice always exists if you have money. It's when you don't have money, when you don't have school choice, when you are supposed to just basically fall into the school that's in your neighborhood, whether it's a good school or a bad school. And if you go back to our founding documents, and people don't want to do this with education, but there's a lot of things that you can drive from it. The whole aspect of self-determination does not get sacrificed when you're poor. America affords us self-determination regardless of our socioeconomic, racial, or other background demographics. Why does that change when it comes to education? Each parent should have the self-determination to guide their, their child to the best academic place for them and for their future. Now, public charter schools allows public funding to go and follow the child regardless of where the child goes to school. In this instance, if it's the local um, school district, that's where the money goes. If it goes to a public charter school, the local school district still gets to hold on to a quarter of every dollar that's allocated by the state for that student, even if the student doesn't go to the local public school. Therefore, charter schools 
Don't rob the local school district of money. It actually allows them to make upwards of 25% for a kid that's not sitting in their classroom, using their lights, sitting in their seats, all while that kid and their families are exercising that self-determination that every American deserves. Well, Lenny, let me let me play a little bit of a devil's advocate here uh, because you hear that uh, school districts, uh, school boards, uh, the, the teacher unions, they constantly argue that, yeah, uh, you might leave a quarter behind and take 75 cents on the dollar for that kid. Um, but this is uh, harming the finances of the local public schools and it's driving up property taxes and uh, it really doesn't uh, um, work out to the benefit of the local public school and that charter schools are actually costing um, the, the traditional public school system. How do you, how do you answer that uh, argument from, from you know, school boards and, and school districts all across Pennsylvania? Well, competition costs competition. So when somebody goes to Burger King to buy a Whopper instead of going to McDonald's to buy a Big Mac, you know, the consumer still wins. It's McDonald's that's losing out, not necessarily the consumer. And I think that too often we're focused on systems, we're not focused on students. So of course, the traditional school district, they see it as losing money. But in actuality, Matt, the average amount of money that the school district has per student in their classroom goes up. Goes up, yeah. In order to keep the same amount of money in the coffers, that's when they feel the need, although it's not a necessary reality, but they feel the need to raise property taxes. They feel the need to say that they're losing out on money. But if the, if the amount of money spent per student is going up, the students are winning. The systems may not be winning, but competition supposed to allow the consumer to get the best. There's a reason why there's a sprint, there's a, a, you know, TWC and all these other cell phone companies, because it's going to drive innovation in technology. In the 21st century, we must drive good innovation in education as well, because as we well know, we have a divided society. The way you unite America once again is make sure that equality is prevalent across the board. And one of the best and most lifelong and long-term solutions that we have seen has been bringing education equity across America. Well, Lenny, um, it's been exciting to see, you know, over the last decade, um, the breakdown of, of a partisan uh, divide that uh, addressed issues like criminal justice reform. We've seen just bipartisan or transpartisan, however you want to say it, uh, support for reforming our criminal justice system, recognizing that, hey, you know, 90% of the people going into our prisons are coming back out. So let's make sure we we uh, help uh, those folks become productive members of society. And, uh, you know, we've broken down those barriers uh, and those divides. It, it, it sure would seem to me that that education choice ought to be that next divide that isn't a, a partisan divide. Yet right now, it just, it seems that, um, you know, Republicans are for school choice and Democrats are against it. Why is that the case? Why hasn't this become similar or akin to, you know, criminal justice reform and, and seen as really a civil rights uh, issue uh, for everyone to, to embrace? 
because the police guards union is not as big as the teachers unions in Pennsylvania. <laughs> I mean, that's just the bottom line, right? So when you start politicizing these type of dynamics, two things transpire. Number one, you have a lot of bickering that plays out in the halls of, of the Capitol, as well as in, in the media throughout the Commonwealth. But unfortunately, what also transpires is those that are least powerful, those with the least amount of money, the least amount of political access, and the least amount of overall understanding as to how these things play out. They lose out first and they lose out the most. And then when you take into consideration the, the racialized dynamic of education, which people don't want to talk about, how oftentimes the very students that are served in public charter schools in Pennsylvania, the, dis, the disadvantage and oftentimes the black and brown students in our urban areas and across the Keystone State, those are people that have been on the margins of politics, they've been on the margins of the economy, and they've been on the margins of the educational system for far too long. So when you start politicizing the money and you make this a partisan fight driven by union money, you end up having these dividing lines that talk about special interest groups and not the most special interest that we have, which is our children and our future in Pennsylvania. Uh, do, you, do you think we can overcome this, Lenny? I mean, do you think that there is potential? Because, I mean, obviously the teacher unions are uh, the most powerful unions in Pennsylvania. Um, do you think that there is a potential for them to stand down and say, hey, uh, we, we recognize that a lot of kids are benefiting from these schools. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously their influence on the Democratic Party. Uh, I mean, I would hope that uh, uh, somehow, some way that kids' interests would come before, you know, the special interests. Uh, I mean, give me some hope here, Lenny. <laughs> well, number one, I think that um, throughout American history, and you and I both matter are history guys, we both understand that there have been a lot of obstacles that were always the case in America until they weren't. And I think this is going to be yeah. another example of that, where the power of the teachers unions in regards to education in the Keystone State is going to always be an influence until it's not. And, and part of that comes from the power of parents getting involved. That's the power of organizations such as the coalition, the, the Pennsylvania Coalition of Public Charter Schools, engaging well over 140 schools that we interact with on a regular basis, engaging over 150,000 Pennsylvania students, engaging legislators, engaging allies that we have in the movement, and reminding people that teaching is supposed to be a vocation, not a job. And that as long as you treat it as a job, you can politicize a job, and your job takes more of an interest than anybody's lives in regards to kids, in regards to communities, in regards to what's the right thing to do for our communities. But once we start pivoting back to vocations, we can find ways where we can have win-win scenarios, where these traditional school districts can still have their per pupil numbers go up, even if their overall revenues go down, and kids that need the extra support, that extra innovation from public charter schools in the Keystone State can find it and succeed and then build up the communities. What, what many traditionalists don't understand is the fact that if these kids go to public charter schools and they can have careers and they can buy homes and they can create roots in Pennsylvania rather than running from the state. And by the way, the, the brain drain you see is disproportionately black and brown because they do not want to stay in Pennsylvania. If those people stay, guess what's going to happen? Property tax revenues are going to go up. Local school districts are going to be better funded 
And those school districts that have been underfunded and underperforming for decades finally have a shot. Public charter schools and their innovation can heal these broken communities through education equity for the long term. Well, I certainly hope so, Lenny. I, I'm so glad, again, that you are there at the coalition to uh, help fight for these kids and these schools that are, are serving so many. Uh, we need to uh, serve many, many more because uh, uh, the demand is high. Uh, we need to increase that supply. And I certainly look forward to uh, working with you to advance that, uh, that goal together. So uh, I know, folks, uh, if you want to learn more, go to PA charters.org um, and you can learn more. Uh, I know that uh, there's even information there on how to start a charter school. If, if you're interested in that, I mean, we need more entrepreneurs in education to uh, uh, create these opportunities for kids. And I know Lenny would love to, to help folks uh, in that way. So Lenny, I, I really appreciate your coming on Brews and Views with me to talk about this. I wish you uh, all the best in your new role and uh, I look forward to working with you and partnering to uh, help the kids of Pennsylvania. Matt, thank you so much for your time. And again, if I may, remember folks, we're creating 18 new charter schools across the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. So if you're interested in supporting us or interested in being part of this movement, again, go to pacharters.org. Matt, thank you so much and God bless you all. You bet. Thank you, Lenny. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll be catching up with you again soon. I am sure of that. Indeed. You've been listening to Brews and Views, a production of Commonwealth Partners Chamber of Entrepreneurs. Find us on Facebook at Commonwealth Partners and follow Matt Briette at M-A-T-T-B-R-O-U-I-L-L-E-T-T-E. -T -T -E.